Empire 124, part of Rocktober 2016, SMT Tober. Uh, when your host Brett Elston here, and again joining me to talk about SMT, Megaten Superfan Henry Gilbert. Hey, Henry, Henry G. Uh, we are coming in with the title loop track from SMT Nocturne, aka Shin Megami Tensei Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, released 2003 in Japan on PS2, and then the US got it in 2004 in the form of a director's cut. Yeah, the first true Shin Megami Tensei game it released in America, like the first yeah. core line one. Though that also is something you you look at the time difference between yes. this year. We were talking about Super Famicom games before, and now we're on the PlayStation Two in yes. another decade. Yes. So uh, to catch you up, the Rocktober is a uh, sequence that happens every October in uh, VG Empire, where we go weekly and talk about a big series that couldn't sustain just one episode. Not two, probably not even three, but four. Uh, previous Rocktobers were like Castlevania, Final Fantasy, Pokemon, Mega Man. So this year, SMT just seemed like one where like I think a lot of people, like myself included, know about this series, didn't dig into it a lot, or maybe Persona pulled you in, but you've not really checked out the mainline series, and I'm mm-hmm. definitely one of these people. But having listened to a lot of the music, I'm like, the soundtracks are all great. Uh, and yes. In the previous episode, 123 of EG Empire, uh, we talked about SMT 1 and 2 and IF mm-hmm. on the Super Famicom. But now... A 10-year gap between 2 and SMT3, PS2. We went from Super Famicom, like you said, into PS2. Uh, Shoji Meguro is the composer. And if you're a Persona player, like, I've only played maybe 8 hours, 9 hours of Persona 4. Mm. And I can already, like, feel that influence kind of coming in. Yeah, he's not not the only person who writes SMT music, but... His feel, I mean, he is the modern SMT musician. And mm-hmm. his his music really comes through, like, in that opening track, a little poppier than the stuff in the yeah. previous one. Like, he definitely has a pop sensibility, which he fully indulges in in the Persona games. Yes. A little less so here. But, yep. yeah, I wonder if the situation was why, you know, Shin Megami Tensei has been around at, close to as long as Final Fantasy. Yeah. And yet they're at four numbered entries. Yeah. And I think it is because, like, they're just very choosy with it. I, I yeah. think it might be the same. There were a lot of Street Fighter games between 2 and 3. Uh-huh. And maybe one of those could have been called Street Fighter 3, but they didn't want to make the big call. Like, no, no, no. This is yeah, its yeah. own thing. This is yeah. EX. This is Alpha. This is whatever. Like, we're just we're iterating. We're improving on a thing. And people eat it up. So why not keep doing it? Yeah. Like, so SMT was alive and well on the PlayStation, but yeah. they just weren't in the mood to make a yeah. number one. In that time time persona had spun off and become its own thing uh still kind of catch still kind of catching on at this point in 2003 not a full-blown thing thing like it is now as well as like soul hackers too yes. like they- uh the ps1 remakes of smt one two and three or one two and if i yeah. should say like those are all happening around this time so the series is alive but <laughs> numbered entries 10 years yeah that's funny too to think about how you know, we think of all these remasters now that are filling the void until a real release or whatever on on consoles today. Yeah. They were doing Atlas was doing that back on PlayStation. Like, yeah, no, just remake Shin Megami, the first one. We'll sell yeah. it again. Like, um, yeah, Shoji Meguro along with uh, Toshiko Tasaki, who worked on uh, the original SMT uh, stuff, uh, Persona Two, Soul Hackers, uh, and then Kenichi Suchia, who worked on SMT Four, uh, Growlancer Five, uh, ah. other SMT uh, thingies. Uh, and they tried to stay true to the SMT sound, but like you said, it has that 80s influence poppy mm-hmm. sensibilities in there from time to time. I was looking up to that point of like, why did it take so long? And reading it on the wikis and, and fan sites, it's like it seems like the team 
the teams involved and the people behind it wanted to make another one even as early as they finished the second one, mm-hmm. but are like, it needs to feel fresh and it needs to be successful. We can't spend all that time making such a huge, dense game and then sell the same amount we've been selling. Uh, so they waited and waited and waited and had these concepts, but they're like, well, you know, we don't have, let's not mess with it here or we're already doing the spinoff of this project. But mm-hmm. by the time the PS2 comes around, that is when they really start to sink in and they end up with SMT Nocturne, a.k.a. 3, uh, yeah, and it's it, the first, it, yeah, the first, like you said, first mainline game to come to the U.S. The camera changed from a first-person dungeon crawlery thing to a third-person, like you can always see your character running around. Uh, mm-hmm. Maintained the modern setting where it's like you're in Tokyo in the year whatever, and not it still doesn't get super fantastical. Yeah, well, and also not first-person fights anymore either. It's it's a third-person yeah. fight because they, you know, the Final Fantasy seven, eight, and nine <laughs> happened in between those, so they couldn't do that. Uh, dude, ten also happened, and also ten. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Atlas is very particular with that stuff. It like Persona five just came out now, yeah, and Persona four was one of the last PS two games. They Persona skipped the most the one of the longest yeah. gaming console lifespans ever. Yeah, they had oh six to twenty, you could say twenty fifteen even. Yeah. And still they couldn't get a five out in time. I know. But still I, I kind of like that they wait until yeah. they're ready. It's for how it. they used to do I mean, for better and worse, it's how Mario and Zelda games used to work where mm-hmm. it was like, No, we're doing it when there's a new idea and new hardware necessitates that new idea. Otherwise mm-hmm. why would we make another Mario? And then it's like because you'll sell a millions every time. Mm-hmm. Or at least six figures every time. Oh, man, no. Well, uh, a new 2D Mario will sell millions yeah, it every will. time. Um, but we'll, uh, again, invite demons to fight alongside you. You can fuse them together. You can, relearn, you can learn to relate to them or care about them. <laughs> uh, even Lucifer in this game isn't outright evil or hateful. He's, they try to, like, you know, almost necessarily humanize, but, like, try to give him yeah. motivation and reasoning for why he's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And even though he's rebelling against the divine will, mm-hmm. uh, which is another... By this point, we talked a lot about localization last time. Uh, not so much localization, but the strict guidelines that Nintendo of America and even Sony in, ni- in the 90s mm-hmm. would have about 2D games or games with religious themes or games about death or resurrection, like... There were a lot of taboos then, yeah. And that by 2003, that's 2004. That's all gone. Like, I definitely think into the late 90s, America was seen as like well, they're a very Christian market, and yeah. you don't want to upset the Christians, and yeah, they get I, angry. And I think by the 2000s, they let go of that to a degree. Even calling it Shimigami Tensei is a huge change. Yeah, because like, that is three words where you're like Pokemon. What is it? like Pokemon? I well, okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. Shin Megami Tensei. Like, just get out. You're not selling that in Walmart. And <laughs> you it's, try. It's a big. Yeah, it was a big change for Atlas to just drop like eh, Revelations. Just isn't sticking. People aren't accepting Revelations as the name of a franchise, sure. like as a banner, and so. They they decide just go with what they with what the real name is yeah. though it still has the kind of retro style of look let's not confuse people with a number since they didn't get one and two it's just Shimigami Tensei Nocturne it's yeah. not three yeah uh, by four four was the first one to just have its number on to it. just be called the right thing yeah um, this did introduce the press turn system I think mm-hmm. uh, where you can gain additional turns in battle by exploiting by exploiting the weaknesses of the enemies mm. like if they're weak yeah. to a certain thing and you hit them with that then you get an extra turn those are awesome they make every they're some of my favorite parts of the battle system in mm-hmm. it because it's another thing that in that really pushes you to 
uh, for memorization and and math and quick math. <laughs> like that's the magical thing in those games. It's something that like I really got into first with uh, the Devil Survivor spinoffs, which had the press turn thing too. Of uh-huh. okay, I if I do lightning to this guy, or if I do Zio, just to say the right thing, if I do Thank the you. Zio attack. And I know I'm going to get a second press turn on it, and then I can attack him again and kill him if I do as much as a normal attack does. Knowing that, <laughs> if I the, if I do kill this thing, then I better not have my second character do Zeo because that character will reflect it back. That enemy will reflect it back uh, at me. Yeah. It's a lot more. It, it adds a ton more strategy to just even a random battle, and I, I really enjoy the press turn system. Yeah, in the RPG, like I always think about Grandia. We did a Grandia episode over a year ago where it's mm-hmm. like every battle I'm thinking about where my character's actions are on this timeline and which ones will execute. Mm-hmm. After I've input them, there's a, you know, a delay between when you select to do an action and the time it takes to perform that action, and like just keeping all this stuff tra- in tr- track of all this stuff in your head makes every battle. It can feel tedious or it can feel engaging, and most games do it well. It mm-hmm. feels engaging rather than like oh, I do not want to do this every single time. Um, but we'll hop into some songs real quick. Uh, this is the map tune, which is a fun piano with uh, some synth guitars in there. Uh, normal battle stuck in Amara. Uh, I get that East vibe again. Doing fun guitar shreddy uh, East stuff, and then after normal battle is Heretic Hall, uh, which feels like it could be uh, like a crawl, like a text crawl in an '80s movie, like bringing <laughs> oh. you up to speed on what's happening, like Terminator or something maybe. But this is Map Normal Battle and Heretic Hall from SMT Nocturne.
were talking in the break. Uh, John Carpenter vibe off of that one, especially the, yeah. old, the first thirty seconds or so. It definitely felt like how Escape from New York say would yeah. begin, or just yeah. like the like yeah, definitely Carpenter's feel. Well, meanwhile, the first two. I don't want to sound like I'm just the biggest Shoji Meguro fanboy, though I do love him. He's one yeah, of my favorite composers. This is the one place where it's okay. But it's so just like hearing his his songs on here after the Famic, Super Famicom ones, like they're just so tuneful and they're yeah. like they're they're definitely more in they're more structured and in pop, like I said, poppy. And yeah, you could definitely hear him playing around more with like higher notes, higher pitch notes instead of just like the dear near the very down, you know, downtrodden, dirgy sounds of the first mm-hmm. two, three games, even. And that's him like holding back how much he wants. Like <laughs> when you know his other works, you're like, you want to get so crazy. Yeah. Like, Quick to note, uh, it's not really tied to one or two at all. Um, the new story is a wrecked Tokyo after a huge conception. Uh, mm-hmm. So if I summarize this correctly, uh, it's a wrecked, like, messed up Tokyo uh, after this huge, like, cosmic reset or conception uh, that was intended to stamp out stagnation. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like, this world's boring and nothing's progressing and <laughs> so we're just going to blow it up and this will this will force some kind of change or status quo shakeup. Uh, Lucifer is overseeing this, but the main crux is there are two cults trying to remake the broken world in their image mm-hmm. uh, and maybe try for another conception that will reset in their favor. Wow. Um, and I think the way the storyline goes in this is you can restore the world to its preconception form, like you said, where you kind of in the last episode where you can undo some of the damage that's done, or you can let it stay dead and be the only human in a demon world, <laughs> in a world overrun with all these demons. Uh, or you can perform tasks for Lucifer, and then you end up fighting him. I think at the end, and I'm assuming take his place, maybe. One well, year, and the lead isn't the your average, you know, Tokyo boy anymore. He is yeah. he is a fused demon person. Yes, like, so that's true. He has he's fused on his own even, and it's and and the game still has the negotiation system and all that too, and. And it was lucky for America that when they localized it, it was the director's cut, which kind of cleaned up some of the yeah. some of the problems with it. Uh, that was that was how it used to be. Now you know, at least it was something you got lucky with. That when they cl- uh, if you had to wait longer, at least that gave them a chance to change some things and, and, and fix problems. And I want to play something uh, live really quick. Uh, this is the boss battle song in uh, SMT three, which seems like a not so much precursor, but definitely getting to that point in persona 4 where the main battle song of persona 4 has lyrics in it oh yeah and you hear it over and over and over again i mean ff10 had some lyrics in some of its battle music as well but just knowing that this is again the same people playing around before persona blows up just like this being the boss oh yeah like distorted lyrics yeah well but like this I mean that's hella Persona Four. Yeah, uh, the battle theme. Yeah, I get that. I raise a bucket. Yeah, that all sounds like Um Jammer Lammy. Well, you would think the logical response would be that if you had lyrics in a song, you would hear eight hundred times. Yeah, that you would get sick of it, and that's why you'd never do it. But yeah. they found a way. Like I, I, they're super catchy. Eventually, yeah. you do stop hearing words, and it is yeah. just it's just background noise. Because even I, the the eight or whatever hours I put into Persona Four, I'd still. Granted, it probably takes two hours before you even hear the first battle song because you're Certainly. just reading. It's a uh, slow burn, baby. <laughs> but even after hearing that battle music a hundred times, I still like. I still like every time I hear, it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a yeah. great song. Um, we'll do uh, three more songs from SMT3. Uh, 
this again a lot of it to being taking place in a quote unquote real world Tokyo locations. Uh, we talked about Shibuya before, but now a track from Ikebukuro, an area yeah. I do love of Tokyo. That is a that is a core thing to SMT as well. Pretty much always takes place in Tokyo. Yeah. And, if, and when in any of the side games they aren't in Tokyo, they make a big deal out of it. Like mm. we went to Osaka. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Ikebukuro, we've stayed there plenty of times. I love it, and yeah. it's such a fun, again, the Yamanote train will take you on a big circle all around Tokyo. But. I mean, Shin Megami games, I, I played other games that take place in Tokyo, but it was Shin Megami games that mm. I played in like the few years lead up to my first trip to Tokyo. And so there were moments of like, oh, it's this place, it's yeah. this place, it's this... It, not as much as say world ends with you which is just like uh, this yeah. is every this is every street of shibuya yeah. in a game but <laughs> it's close it's close but uh we'll do uh ikibukuro and uh yeah because i just enjoy the area i was like i want to play the song from ikibukuro and yeah. uh, nocturne after that is hijiri who's a character in the game mm. uh and uh just has a cool flow and again the instrumentation the song the sound choices they made when they made this song uh, it's where it's a it's a nice song mm-hmm. but also has a creepy under tone to it so I, I just enjoyed Hijiri and after that is large map of the final area which is guitars synth wow. sounds huge and epic it's got some strings in there uh, kind of reminds me of and again to keep that poppy almost anime feel reminds me of some of the Budokai games oh wow uh, where just how nuts it can get but it's also getting back to that Persona 4 Gold that main, that main battle tune it's just so poppy and guitar riffy uh, but Ikebukuro Hijiri and the large map from final area
It's like Top Gun Anthem, like covered by one of those Metallica with a full or- with a full orchestra. <laughs> like all so many things converging. Uh, yeah. Such a big sound, though. Just it sounds so important. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, the the kind of indulgence of the guitar solo, I just love <laughs> it. And you know, it reminds me too of uh, when you think of like horror and guitars. It reminds me of Akira Yamaoka. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that for yeah. Silent Hill stuff. Uh, well, meanwhile, the others were more like kind of hangout music. Like definitely, Ikebukuro felt like very that. like low key. Um, which the area is pretty bustling, so I'm not sure it's bustling. But I guess in comparison to yeah. other things on it's the Yamanote yeah. line, like it's it's not as bustling as Shibuya or even Shinjuku. I'd yeah, say, yeah, that's probably uh, true. But you still got Sunshine City over there. Yes, let's talk and its own super potato, which is not as populated as the other. I other's did get my things. Famicom disc system there, but it's broken. So Aww. thanks a lot. Uh, it's, who knows? It could have been broken on the six million year plane ride home. Uh, but this did sell well. Mm-hmm. Um, all their extra work of like waiting and all that stuff uh, did kind of pan out. It sold well, but it didn't hit the goals. And I think they were kind of upfront, like you know we were hoping for a little more. And that may explain partly why Persona takes off uh, in mm-hmm. this PS2 PSP time frame because there's just. It has a little bit more traction to it, and it's a little bit yeah. more approachable. So, I mean, it always was like that. I think is the problem they have with to make a true Shin Mikami game. <laughs> Unapproachability is part of it. Part of the like, game, yeah. It wouldn't be that if it wasn't, you know. And yeah. so, but that also hurts its sales. And in Japan, definitely was more into Persona by that point, especially. Yeah. And and Persona Three was really the first one, like in America, mm-hmm. it was the first big SMT game to sell here. Yeah, and though that one, like people doubted it would even come out in America. Like I remember. One of the first podcasts I ever listened to about video games in 2006, they were saying, I can't believe they published Persona 3. It's a game about high school students shooting themselves in the head. I do remember that. How can they publish this? And But they did, and it was... It was a success, and so. But we got three and Fez, right? Yeah, we got three and Fez, which was kind of a cop out. Like they should have just given us Fez, but yeah. they wanted to sell both. Like just buy Fez. The the way, yeah. I look. I've, I'm going to finish this thought. <laughs> you can get Persona Three Fez as a PS2 game on your PS3. That's the way to play it. The PSP version's good. P3P, it's good. But you lose all the anime cutscenes, and that's a bummer. Like, it was made to watch anime cutscenes. You're just, instead of watching them, you're seeing stills from them with descriptions over them, and it really takes. Uh, Though, if it's important for you to play as a as a female lead in it and and uh, start dating boys instead of girls, then that's the choice you only get in the Persona Three on on PSP. Huh? But it's not in Fez. Not in Fez. No. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, yeah. But so you didn't spend much time with Nocturne either, then? No, Nocturne was another one I didn't really play. It was before I really got into the SMT series. Yeah, and same. See, so yeah, when it was released, I wasn't really even playing that many games on PS2. To be honest, like my RPG machine was kind of my was kind of my GBA, or I played on a GameCube. Like I, I wasn't playing many RPGs on PS2. And it hadn't been properly advertised to me that uh, Shin Megami was what a super niche Japanophile like me would want to play. Uh, but yeah, by the time I really I got on the SMT train with Persona 3. That was mm. really my first one. Mm. But uh, I've always wanted to go back to this one. This is also one of those PS2 on PS3 things. I gotta say, mm. Atlas 
is better than most Japanese publishers. They were way ahead of the curve of republishing their stuff mm. and, and making it available. Like, yeah. I think, I mean, because they make way fewer, they're more of a one to two game a year company. Yeah. Maybe they're up to three games a year now, but, <laughs> but so original games. So they get into a lot of remakes and re-releases and fezes and all that stuff. And that brings us to uh, one that you're going to be way more familiar with. And, Here we go. Me to a lesser extent, but uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4. Yes. And we, we we started off the show with like, man, it took him 10 years to make that three. It took him 10 more years to make SMT 4. 2013, Japan yes. and US, uh, 3DS, and then unintentionally timely for this episode uh smt4 apocalypse like just came out yeah yeah. um but before we get into that so 10 years and many more spinoffs later there's finally another numbered entry in the series took another decade they even made a game that was supposed to like they began making it as this could be shin megami tensei 4 they they thought no it takes place in antarctica not tokyo so it's not a mainline smt game so they made strange journey and they decided that would oh. not be that would not be for even though they originally planned it as huh. four. i remember yeah i remember strange journey coming out and, yeah and but... strange journey is great and there's references to strange journey in four it's ah. really neat but uh but yeah so shimigami tensei four is was their most personaized game in the series i think they really learned the things that persona did that made it more uh more mainstream and more palatable they started adding it to it like it was you know third person exploration in dungeons and you also saw enemies on screen for, yeah. for you to encounter them and you can like push a button and swing a sword and like if you can hit them it's like critical strike and you get yeah. an extra turn or which really to... engages you more in yeah. the combat and the uh but it's also still the very weird it's kind of more like Shin Megami 2 in its in its beginning because it starts with you're you're in this weird very closed off society that that somehow has comps which is something i haven't even mentioned in smd this whole time but your comp or you're like this pc you bring with you everywhere mm. to control your demons like mm-hmm. comp is usually your interface or some version of a comp right and uh so you know your the game starts out in this kind of medieval world, a mix of medieval and like Shogun era Japan. And then they're like, now you have graduated and we will give you your comp. And it's just like basically Leela's wrist device from Futurama that, that would let you, control and collect and fuse yeah but like a very like anachronistic thing yeah you're like wait what is this thing and you're told like okay start going through do your trials in the caves yeah but as you go through the caves more this is a spoiler yeah again uh, it'll be spoiling all these stories but when you go through the caves you then find out that your idyllic happy world of sunshine is built on the sky which has been crystallized over by the apocalypse Mm -hmm. and when you come down to earth you're like this is tokyo and it's like it's the what's left of modern day tokyo after the apocalypse killed everything yeah and so yeah so you still get ruined tokyo if you started playing the game thinking like hey where's tokyo (laughs) it kind of like Boom! Hits you real yeah, hard. You're like built on top of a giant dome, mm-hmm. and underneath that is a completely like I guess it's overrun with demons and yeah, and it's full of demons and just people are just like these demons really suck. They killed my family. Yeah. Uh, could you help me? And then you find what's left of the world, and you you find like the outposts of humans and who's mm-hmm. left, and there's other demon tamers there that you'll find mm-hmm. too. But yeah, um, it's, but yeah, it's like really you, fun. Yeah, yeah. You're trapped in a rock dome. You're training to become a samurai, and then uh, you eventually rack up law, chaos, or neutral points. Yep. Depending on what actions you take, and the events will change depending on your path. 
Um, and there are law, chaos, and neutral outcomes to consider. And I think the way this breaks down is uh, there's various forms of teaming with or against Lucifer, Lucifer mm-hmm. and uh, God's chariot, yes. um, which is one of the aspects that I was like, what is that thing called? It's a very <laughs> a name I had not heard somehow. Well, they make it real clear with your teammates, too, the directions you're going in, yeah. in the story. I mean, there's a, there's basically one guy next to you who's just like, I think if we all just follow the rules, we could have an orderly society. The other guy says, <laughs> no. you should burn the world down. I hate it. And then the, the game asks, who do you agree who do you with? you want these important binary choices of our lives? And and just like we said with Shin Megami 1, Shin Megami 4 begins with a dream and, yeah. and choosing one of those two in the dream uh, first. Or, yeah. or being introduced to the ideas of chaos and order yeah. as well. And you end up saving or destroying Tokyo or the area above, which is Mikado... Um, Apocalypse, SMT4 Apocalypse that just came out, uh, assumes the neutral ending, I believe, is canon. Yes, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you get all these choices of, like, saving or destroying various forms of these two idyllic cities. Mm-hmm. Or Mikado being the idyllic one built on top of what's left it's of the It's built old. on a lie, man. Yeah. Ryota Koduka and Toshiki Konishi uh, join Kenichi Tsuchiya from 3. So you mm-hmm. have three composers again, but uh, Tsuchiya-san coming back for her. Part four. It's a four CD soundtrack, and that means a ton of music. Wow. Uh, just tons of great stuff in here, though. Uh, we'll start with Tokyo, which just seems appropriate. Uh, you'll hear this a lot, which is great because it's a good song. Um, and even the eight or ten hours I put into this, this is a song I recognized right away. Um, and like we talked about, uh, Tokyo is in a dome below Mikado. Uh, Mikado being the angel slash old-timey better place. So uh, Tokyo gets a little harder, spookier of a oh, sound yes. than you would expect from a nice place. Uh, and if that is battle, uh, one of the battle tunes, uh, which I think is a boss tune, uh, one of the later boss, maybe or mid to late boss set tracks, uh, slightly mm-hmm. chaotic sound to it, but it's just another urgent, great boss track. And then after that is above ground urban, uh, theme, which I get a mortal Kombat three vibe from this. And at first I was like, why do I feel this way? Because does anyone remember the music from mortal Kombat three, but me, not, not really. <laughs> uh, and then I remembered the stage that I remember it from is the same dystopian background where if you remember a, a stage in MK3 where you're like fighting on a rooftop and the background you see like New York or whatever oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. on fire and I'm like oh well that's basically the same thing that's going on so uh, there's some you know musical vocabulary you can use to uh, get that image across but Tokyo boss battle and above ground urban area
just reaffirming how much 4 is my favorite of all these soundtracks because <laughs> it just sound like despite being on 3DS which sometimes suffers from like oh we had to compress yeah this or that or different sound you know can't be as free as a CD or a digital game necessarily but it sounds so crisp and clean uh, you can kind of tell it's a 3DS in there still but it just sounds so nice all the instrumentation that they've chosen is beautiful and the music's all over the place uh, in great ways. Like that Tokyo song is like kind of thoughtful and mm. almost missed, you know, thinking about, oh, this place is so busted up and like, yeah. will we ever get back to regular Tokyo? And that boss song is just such a cacophony of noises and, and like. Yeah. And without, you know, it doesn't, no Shoji Meguro means this is like, it's a lot rougher. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's very much somewhere in between the Super Famicom stuff and the PS2 stuff. Mm-hmm. Or 3, Nocturne. Uh, yeah. I love it. it. it it's, I felt like them trying to go back to basics. And I wonder, too, if that's because mm-hmm. they realize, like, we have all these, like, happier, cheerier side games. So. Yeah. Why don't we just get darker in this yeah. one, you know? And and that's I, I really like that about it. 
and then the uh, urban area. I mean, just so many great industrial sound, industrial music mm-hmm. like shortcuts that you can use to be like, I want this to sound industrial. So uh, I don't know, like chains banging together and hitting a trash can. <laughs> a like, lot of metallic, but like yeah. dirty, dirty metallic. Yeah, sounds. as a big KMFDM fan, I'm uh, I'm all <laughs> into it. But as far as uh, the gameplay, you still have that. Uh, what was it called? The press. Ter- yeah, the press uh, system is that's there. still it there, pre- but yeah. it introduces smirks. Yeah, that's a weird one. Like, I, I don't think I particularly got used to Smirks. So I'm a type of guy who likes to roam around and go from place to place. No. I'm the type of guy who doesn't use many status things in, in, in RPG oh, yeah. fights. Like, I just like brute force. Like, I'm going to use the strongest magic or the strongest <laughs> whatever. Or the strongest attack. I'm not going to put you to sleep or poison you or whatever. And so smirk, I, I didn't use smirk all that much. Mm. But I think it's a, it's a exploiting weaknesses puts you into a smirk status where you hit harder and have better evasion. Mm-hmm. You lose your elemental weakness, so enemies can't necessarily take advantage of it against you. Uh, but you still, as always, you're fusing, negotiating with demons. You are talking to them, asking them to join you. And we yes. talked about in the last episode where the conversations that lead them to joining you or not mm-hmm. will be like, Hey, do you want to join? Yes. You shouldn't want me so bad. I'm not joining you. Yes. Like, it, it, you sound needy. Like, but why even have? Why even prompt me? Yes, it was um, my coworker at the time, Hollander Cooper, who we both like loved Persona. Mm-hmm. But I played other SMT games. He hadn't, and I told him like, "Oh, SMT Four plays like a Persona game, and I, I it still does play a lot like Persona Four, but it still has that SMT stuff." And so when he told me like, "Hey, I can't keep playing this. Like this demon." Asked me to give him a massage, and then when I did, he <laughs> bit me and then ran away, and I didn't even get to keep him. I Man, was like, torn from the headlines. I was just like, yeah, this capriciousness is part of it. Like, mm. if you don't like that, you shouldn't keep playing it. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, uh, and like I said in the last episode, I this is the one where I was trying to get into it, but I I cling to things. Yeah. So like, yes. when I get monsters in this or demons and it's like okay I should fuse these to make a new one and I'm like this new one one doesn't look as cool as either of the two because mm-hmm. it's well it doesn't even look at anything. all similar yeah. it's, it's a different it's a, a different yeah, thing completely different thing and it's not like Pokemon where you're like I'm collecting all these things and I'll have a repository for them and then I just kind of choose which ones I want to take out with me mm-hmm. there was something that didn't click with me about like well, I just I have to let go of the idea of any of these things staying around for any amount of time, mm-hmm. probably till you get like a dozen hours in or more, and yeah. then some of them are probably in a state where you'll just keep well, them. Well, th- that's the thing that has happened to me in those games. You know, I say about how I stop caring, but there are points where I get to like when I'm getting level forty monsters, sure, and when I could fuse them into a level fifty one, that's where I am a little sad. Where I'm like, uh, I don't want to lose you. Like you are my big bruiser of the group, uh, but I also have seen that like you've hit the you hit a leveling up wall where mm. the XP you need to go up is so much, and you barely get any things. And sure. then meanwhile, it's it's their way of saying, look, just fuse this guy, yeah. and he'll double his HP, yeah. and he'll do more damage. And the only thing that keeps me going though is those inherited statuses. Or uh, sorry, the inherited traits. Mm-hmm. Like you can have the trait of double, like uh, life surge that gives you way more HP, and you. It's a breeding thing too. Like that huh. comes into it that you if you get one that has life surge like oh i'm gonna keep this dude and he's gonna be the base of all my future ones and he'll keep bringing life surge over to the next uh, one like bringing it, pokemon exactly a little it's bit. a little bit but it, but it's a little more uh, uh a little more involved i'd say or at yeah. least like openly well, involved sure. it, in pokemon they want to keep that information yeah from they bury you. some of the more dense things that you can totally 
get very specific about it and mm. have a lot of detail to it but smt surfaces it pretty quickly yeah they surface it pretty quickly and that's also something that can really drive some players crazy of just the amount of information that gets dumped on you which is what smt does as well they try to take their time with it but eventually once you've got your comp then they're also like oh and you can take side you can take these side quests they become assignments in your in your uh, personal display thing, mm-hmm. and just keep track of it. And most of them, most of the assignments are just like, "Can you kill eight rats?" Or the equivalent <laughs> of killing eight rats. I can kill six rats. But Ver- can you verified. kill these rats that look like penises? Or- if I have to, <laughs> um, that's what the that's what the mission is. I mean, mm-hmm. jump into three more songs. Uh, this is Shinjuku Underground, a uh, good example of the musical fusion that goes on in the game, where it's a Japanese quality to it, where they do a lot of the the signifiers of like, oh, this is a song that's supposed to designate a Japanese setting, uh-huh. mixed with uh, synthiness and you know timeless video gamey fun that I love and will always play. Uh, after that is Camp Ichigaya. Uh, Upbeat has another strong 80s feel to it. I even get like a 90s Sega CD vibe to this even a little bit. And after that is Lucifer's Palace. Uh, super badass late. I, I'm going to assume late in the area, late in the game area. Also the fact that it's you know later in the discs of the soundtrack that mm. suggests it's further into the game as well. Uh, but Shinjuku Underground, Camp Ichigaya, and Lucifer Palace.
just super intense, like very yeah. almost overbearing with how how much <laughs> stuff is going on. Yeah, it is. It is very powerful, but it's something you're working your way towards. Yeah. There, like you, you know, it's important to the area, and they they always want to express that in the music. Yeah, and re-listening to this now, uh, Shinjuku Underground, the first one we played in that break. I've been listening to a lot of Vaporwave lately, and that's really ticking some of my Vaporwave boxes. Uh, Just really, like, smooth, feel-good, kind of that Windows 95 uh, (laughs) synth sound, which, uh, again, a lot of this stuff is kind of climbing up that same tree. And Mm -hmm. then listening to Campy Jigaya again, it reminded me almost of, like, a Depeche Mode song or some kind of similar 80s band. Like, I don't know. I kind of got that vibe a little. Well, you can totally, in the Shinjuku one, you can totally hear the the Japanese instrumentation like you were talking about. But they mesh together really well. And that does remind me of just playing the game that I had, you know... I had been to Japan a few times at this point by the time I played mm. this, and and uh, I like lived a whole uh, like more than a week in Shinjuku, mm. and I got to know the Shinjuku Underground really well, and <laughs> I, it was just so neat to it didn't sound anything like that. I, well, it was I, I just mean from a gameplay perspective, it was like oh I remember this like hallway or whatever. Mm. It was yeah. It's it's a fun game. I'm looking forward to playing Shin Megami Tensei Four: The uh, Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. The the problem is that it came in the middle of the mm-hmm. heaviest amount of JRPGs ever. Like it felt like for three years, uh, two years, other than Atlas, nobody was publishing classic JRPGs anymore. And now this month, uh, I blamed Bravely Default because after it came out, yeah. now the 3DS, the 3DS got Dragon Quest Seven, yeah, and then Shin Megami Tensei Four. And after that's going to be Dragon Quest Builders, which I really do want to play on the PS4. Then World of Final Fantasy. And then Final Fantasy XV. What is World of Final Fantasy? Um, it's really... This is a whole other side thing. Sure, but, I uh, so it's... I think what it is is that they had Final Fantasy XV came out and they like come out and they're like, no, but we want something for younger players too. And so it's like their kiddier Final Fantasy, but also if they made a kingdom hearts game without disney uh-huh. and so it's just these two tetsuya nomura designed oh boy. tweens a boy and a girl they're twins and they're lost in the grimoire and it's the world of final fantasy where characters from every final fantasy game numbered Ooh. are hanging out together Ooh. and and then the combat is kind of pokemon-y Huh. But it, it, with ATB is back, like Active oh, Time Battle man. is back. How did I? I'm suddenly so. Is this a Vita game? Uh, no, it's a PS4 game. What? Yeah, I played it at PAX. The the weird thing about it is that like presentation wise, it's more younger skewing. Sure. But then when I think about like, well, so wait, no kid playing this is going to give a crap that they can play as or that they're going to meet Terra or Bart's <laughs> yeah and and the active time battle system is older than every than, <laughs> than us like it's it's well not older than us but it's great to see it back but it also is full of like cutesiness and there's huh. one there's such like uh, aggressively adorable kids man and, I and in, interested kind of, in this and they start to hint though at a at a hidden sadness and oh, no. and you can bet there's amnesia. <laughs> anyway, it's I'm somewhat looking forward to it, but there is absolutely no way I will have any time to play it. I'm, yeah. Dragon Quest Builders is my October RPG. Not oh, to mention, there's a Pokemon game too. I was going to say not to mention the Sun and Moon is out in, yeah. imminently. But uh, 
SMT4, anyway, uh, did sell very well. Um, I was looking up, you know, as much as online sales can be trusted, uh, 600,000 worldwide, which of any of the numbered entries, I think is the most any numbered entry has seen. Oh, it's got to be. And is a big success for them. So I'll be curious to see what happens with Apocalypse, and then will it be 10 years for SMT5? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they take their time. They could also... I don't think they're going to just remake the old numbered ones, and but... I think uh, mm. I think it could be a while. Although, then again, what consoles will there even be? Like they, yeah, it's hard to know. Ten more years. They, like... they moved SMT to to handheld because that's where that style of RPG player still was. And I think too they they didn't. It was cheaper. It was probably cheaper than making a PS3 game. You know, I mean assets. Yeah, you don't have to make them. Things don't have to be like as high res and. Mm. Uh, need to be displayed in all these different ways it's like no it's 3ds screen like you know exactly everyone's 3ds is the same so yeah like there's not even tv differences like no nope, this is the monitor we have so mm-hmm. and yeah that audience is definitely on handhelds now i the yeah. idea like ff15 gets away numbered ffs can get away with it but outside of that it's tough to think of uh an RPG series like the Tales series still mm. gets console, but anyway. I mean, it still feels retro to me or weird. The idea of like I'm going to be playing Persona Four or or Final Fantasy Fifteen on my TV, yeah. like it. I'm used to it being on a screen in my hands. Yeah. Um, but that wraps up uh, the second part of our Rocktober SMT SMTober. I'm trying to. It doesn't work because you don't know what that. <laughs> if you don't know Shin Megami Tensei, you'll see SMTober and be like, uh, what? But. uh We'll go out with the staff roll track from SMT4, but uh, again, VGEmpire.com is where you can uh, find all of our episodes. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, any comments on the page is always appreciated. I love knowing when people have uh, given the show a listen or found a new song or a new game because of the show or when people share other songs that they like from a soundtrack that I didn't play mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, VG Empire on Twitter. I'm Brolston on Twitter, and we all know you're... H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter, in case you didn't know. And oh, you can find sure. my work, like my preview of World of Final Fantasy and other yeah. things, on fandom.com, where I'm the senior games editor. There you go. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week, uh, and this is next week, man. I am super out of my comfort zone. Uh, but Henry's going to be pulling his weight here because uh, spinoff time. Yes. SMT spinoffs. Uh, but there's a lot. And even the spinoffs get a lot of, like, gravitas. And, oh, yeah. like, uh, weight thrown around because, like, they are given, like, very almost equal consideration and not treated like spinoffs, per se. Oh, no. They're they're really their own thing. And they've become longer-running series in SMT in a way, yeah. or more numbered, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be back in a week with even more Shin Megami Tensei.